All right, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to the Thanksgiving service of 2022. We are going to have an awesome time this morning. Uh, so I know it's going to be a very busy morning. We got people dropping off food and running kids to class and everything like that. So if you could start making your way to uh, your seat here before we get started. And it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful Sunday. We're so excited. And as you guys can tell, we've, uh, we're a little bit different than last week. Praise Praise the Lord. So, yes, we've got a lot of the work is uh, already, uh, it's a lot closer than what it was. So, as you can see, the, the platform construction is almost all the way done. There's still a few uh, cosmetic things we're doing. Amen. Now, uh, the carpet will be coming in over the next few weeks. So, it'll be carpeted on the, the steps and on the steps the top here and of course we'll get to paint but it's usable for today and also the restrooms are usable inside so come on yeah <laughs> praise the lord <laughs> ladies i have heard your cries uh, you know i know that it's been harder on the ladies than the men but we appreciate you on all that um and so the bathrooms are not fully done but they're usable okay so the floors are in the the toilets and sinks are in but they are not the finished product yet so when you walk in there today just know that there's still more that we're doing uh but they are usable and uh it's really really exciting uh that all that has happened this week so praise the lord all right let's go ahead and stand up together this morning amen we're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep declaring that America is coming to Jesus because we walk by faith, not by sight. Can I get an amen today? All right. Let's speak these words of faith together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise today. All right. Well, we're going to take a few minutes here to do a little meet and greet time. And I know it's a little bit uh, more cramped today than usual, but why don't you go around and give somebody a high five, a handshake, a fist bump, or a hug. Whatever it takes, just make sure everybody gets a little love today. Amen. Let's go. All right. Praise God. Yes. Yeah, spread the love right there. Make sure everybody gets a little, uh, little hug or something right there. We are so blessed. Amen. And what a good day to celebrate as a family. We are a church family today, and that's why we want to give a little love. Amen. All right. Yes. Let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things, and I know He will do it again. 
For his promises, yes and amen, he has a great thing. He has a great thing. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken to life. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. You've been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things. God, you do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have the great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the life. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God. You have done great things. Been faithful through every storm. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have done great things. And I know you will do it again. For your promises, yes and amen, you will do great things. God, you will do great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awaken the life. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, unshakable. Hallelujah, you have done great things, you've done great things. Hallelujah, God, above it all. Hallelujah, God, I shake the voice. Hallelujah, you have done great things, you've done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You bring every captive. And break every chain, oh God, you have done great things. You dance in your feet, awake in the light, oh Jesus, our 
Praise the Lord. Well, you may be seated this morning. Hallelujah. We're going to have an awesome time. This is just hands down one of my favorite days of the entire year, every single year. It's going to be great. And uh, now uh, we're going to give some testimonies today. One of them is this is the 15th consecutive year that I've wore this sweater for the Thanksgiving service. Now, the testimony is I bought this in college and it still fits. That is let's give God praise. Amen. Amen. It's certainly not because of my good health choices. All right. Now, uh, let's see here. Pastor and Mrs. P are still in Brooklyn, New York. So they are watching online right now. They uh, say hello and send their love to everybody. Uh, they wish they could be here, but they're having a great time out there. Pastor Katie is not with me this morning. She is at home. Uh, so earlier this week, uh, we, we spent some time in the mountains for some uh, prayer. And man, I tell you what, I really connect with God when there's no one else around. And I'm way out there in the woods. So I spent the majority of my week out in the woods by myself. And then um, Pastor Katie was in the cabin having a good time. Well, anyway, she did test positive for COVID earlier this week. She's doing pretty good right now, actually. She's th- she's through it, and uh, so you don't have to be afraid of me. I tested negative about an hour ago, so we're still good, right? <laughs> so don't uh, don't go getting nervous on me. Don't be afraid of Pastor Dave. It's nothing but love, okay? So uh, I'm good, but um, you know, praise the Lord. So she's watching from home too, but they all wish that they could be here, okay? So. Um, obviously, uh, we're going to be having the big feast afterwards. Um, Casey Browning is going to be in charge of the uh, of the thing today. So, amen. Um, Miss Renee, uh, Mrs. Renee Brown uh, is normally uh, going to be in charge of this stuff, but uh, her mother passed away last evening. So we want to uh, lift her up in prayer and Cletus. He's he's able to be here today. But anyway, um, so let's just let's surround her with love and let her know that we're there for her and her family right now. But Casey's going to be running it for us today. Uh, she needs about five people that could help us uh, serve in a little bit when this is all uh, when we get up there. So can I get five people real quick throw those hands up adults all right i got one i got two i got three okay all right we got them. okay so if you are amongst those five as soon as service is over go see casey in the kitchen and she'll give you instructions on what to do and uh and that'll help take care of that all right who's ready for some christmas announcements yeah oh my goodness i am ready in fact Check it out. Somebody loves me so much. Rodney and Sonia got me my Christmas sloth shirt. Okay, so this will be coming to a service near you very, very soon. And I'm super excited about that. But uh, we got we got a lot of Christmas stuff going on. So I'm going to try to roll through this pretty quick uh, because there's just so many festivities. All right. So uh, first of all, there's no service tonight. 
But next Sunday night is going to be the Christmas came early party. Yeah, this is an annual uh, tradition that we do every single year now. And so uh, next Sunday night for the 6 p.m. service, it'll be the Christmas came early party. Every family, um, we ask you to bring a dozen cookies to share. That takes care of the snacks for the night. Uh, the church will provide the drinks. And then there is a gift exchange for anybody that wants to participate in that. And believe me, it's a really fun time. So adults, if you want to get involved, uh, the gift limit is $5. You know, don't come bring in, you know, a super expensive gift. Just something $5 or less. And kids uh, would bring a gift of $1 or less. That way it's just cheap and affordable and fun for everybody. Uh, do that and we'll do a gift exchange. And of course, wear your ugly Christmas sweaters. Who's got one? Really? Come on, who's got an ugly Christmas sweater? Wow, we are going to have to work on this, people. My goodness, that, that is disappointing. But uh, tell you what, yes, wh- whatever you got, just wear, wear something for us there. All right, and then uh, here's another one. The, the girls' night out event at the Rock Church is going to be happening, yeah, on uh, Friday, December 3rd. And uh, that is a really fun time. Pastor Katie always has a blast down there. Uh, so if you want to get tickets to that, uh, you can go to rockchurch.com and they'll, they'll tell you how to get tickets there. And if you want to carpool with some of the ladies from church, just ask around, see who's going. But they have a really good time. They've got you know fake snow everywhere they they've got uh just all sorts of christmas festivities so it's a super super good time for the ladies all right ooh uh, here's a big one water baptism is coming up in december now i don't know that we've ever done ba- water baptisms in december before but we have got just our best online church member from virginia is flying in to get baptized in december so i said we're going to do it we're going to do this. So uh, so I don't have a sign-up sheet out today, but uh, mark this down if you want to be baptized. We're going to be doing it Sunday, December 11th. And maybe, uh, you know, you were baptized a long time ago as a child or something, and you just really didn't know what was going on, whatever that case may be. Uh, we want to invite you that it's okay if you would like to get baptized as an adult now. Uh, we would love for you to sign up and do that, all right? And then the Christmas concert with Laura Cook is going to be Friday, December the 16th, right here at church. Uh, she's going to be coming in from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and uh, she's got a really, really great ministry. And uh, she's bringing her whole band with her and everything. So uh, be here Friday the 16th. And then um, this isn't on the screen. Of course, we'll have our Christmas Eve candlelight service like we have every year. That'll be on Christmas Eve. And the church Christmas service will be Sunday, December the 18th. And this is just the uh, most wonderful event of the whole year, in my opinion. Today's probably number two, but the Christmas service has got to be number one. We love it. It is awesome. And we have um, we have the children are going to be doing a performance that day. We're going to have another big Christmas dinner together. And there's a gift for every child that's in the service. Every single child, we make sure they get a Christmas gift that day. And so uh, we want to make sure that you're there. So everybody mark that on your calendar. Amen. Who's excited about Christmas right now, man? All right. Now I've got some breaking news. Who would love some really awesome news? Seriously, who wants some really good news today? Come on, man. It's a Pentecostal church here. Don't act like that. All right. So you better be ready to get your shouting clothes on right now because this is a big one. All right. 
So here's the deal. As of last Monday morning, the church mortgage is officially paid off. Yeah. Hallelujah. God is good to us. Man, praise the Lord. Uh, we are so excited. The church does not owe a single penny to anybody. We are a debt-free church. We don't owe any money to anybody. 13 acres, three buildings, all of this is all the way ours. And uh, God really provided um, um These last few years have been really good to us. And, uh, you know, the Lord has been really good to us. So we're celebrating that. And uh, as some of you may know, a few years ago, somebody gave us a house up the road there. And they're like, this guy called me from Phoenix, Arizona one day. And he says, hey, I inherited this house. I don't want it. Can I just give it to your church? And I was like, let me think about it. Yes, you can. You can give it to us. So uh, anyway, we received the house and we didn't know what to do with it for the last few years. We didn't have money to fix it up or anything. And so uh, we just put it on the market um, earlier this year and somebody came in and paid for it. And so this past week, we were able, the church owed $158,000 on the mortgage. And Monday, boom, we wired that money over there and it is paid off. Give the Lord some praise one more time, man. God has been so good to us. And so today is absolutely going to be a day of thanksgiving. And of course, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But the Lord has been really, really good. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to have uh, Leah Mata come on up this morning. Let's hear it for Leah. That Yeah, I heard a couple of boos there. That's okay, you know. I mean... If you don't rub somebody wrong every now and then, it's okay. Um, so Leah's going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. And amen. It's also Mission Sunday. So she'll give you a little bit of an update on some of the mission stuff. But praise God. What a good day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. All right. Thank you. Thank you for those that cheered. <laughs> yes. Keep those shouting clothes on. Okay. So get what time is it? All right, that was pretty good, so I'm going to let that one go. All right, you guys, so we're going to go ahead and get started in Proverbs 3.9. Um, while you're doing that, yes, Pastor Dave did mention that we it is Mission Sunday, and I was going to save this for the end, but I'm going to go ahead and talk about it now because I'm excited because I was able to participate in this. Um, so Proverbs 3.9. Oh, you know what? Actually, I'm, I'm actually going to do that verse out of um, the International Children's Bible, so go ahead and turn there, but... Um, Pastor Dave, you have a question? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> You're not supposed to do that. <laughs> if you need an envelope, please raise your hand. <laughs> um, so go ahead and tr- turn to Proverbs 3, uh, 3 9. It's okay. You guys, it should be up on the screen, so we'll be good. But um, for our mission Sunday, I'm going to quickly talk about um, some good things that we've done and some good news that we got. So um, we were able to drop off all 50 of the Operation Christmas Child Boxes this week. So praise God, there's going to be 50 children that are going to get gifts for Christmas this year. Praise God. And I, I pray that all of you guys prayed over your boxes. All right. And on, um, all the toys that you put in there too. So um, the other news is we, uh, Tony Cook just returned from Brazil and uh, released his book, Life After Death, in the Hungarian language. Now, I don't know if I've ever heard the Hungarian language, but I'm pretty sure it's... <laughs> huh? You can... No way. Hungarian, not hungry. Man. I get up here and all of a sudden. <laughs> um, 
And not only that, uh, Tony Cook um, is hoping to join us in um, next year in 2023, you guys. So praise God for that. I love that man. We always say it, everything that he says, it's like smooth like a milkshake, right? Like it just goes down so smooth. All right. And then uh, Dana and Liz Nile are in the Philippines. I have a sister-in-law in the Philippines if she's watching. I love you, Angelica. <laughs> well, she's not in the Philippines. She's from the Philippines. Sorry. They're going to the Philippines, though. Um, and so this week they're traveling by boat to different locations to preach. And they sent us a thank you letter and send their love to all of us here at HDWC. So we love them, too. They're awesome and amazing people and love when they come. They're just amazing. All right. So those of you guys that have an ICB uh, Bible, International Children's Bible, I hope you're there at Proverbs 3.9. If you do not, it's okay. I hope it's up here. Yeah, perfect. All right, you guys. So... Um, so we're going to um, talk about, um, you know, our tithes and offerings. Were, um, and Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord by giving him part of your wealth. Give him the first fruits from all your crops, right? You know, first fruits, tenth, you know, your first, you know, the, your crops, you know. So what happens when we honor God with our first fruits by tithing? I'm going to tell you. Okay, thank you for not shouting out the answer because it would have ruined it. So <laughs> in verse 10, if we move down to verse 10, it says, then your barns will be full. Okay, praise God for that because I want my barn full. Now, I don't have a barn, but I do have a bank account. Okay, and I like for my bank account to be full and overflowing. So how many of you guys want your bank account full and overflowing? I should see double arms up, like seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so what happens when the Lord fills our barns though? What do we get to do then? We get to give. We get to give. Alright? And as you guys know, later this week we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving, right? And I know you guys are just like me. You don't just give thanks on the third Thursday of November. You're giving thanks all year round, right? And we have so much to be thankful for. Praise God, right? Just so much. We, we have this awesome church. We have our awesome families. We just have so much to be thankful for, you guys. But do you know that when you have more than enough and you share it with others, it will cause them to be thankful too? Did you know that? When your barns are full, when your bank account is full and you're able to, because you're tithing and God is blessing that tithe, you're able to have more than enough to share with others, to give to others. And guess what? When we do that, um, it will cause other people to be thankful. We're going to look at 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11. Pastor Dave's excited. I heard him. Yes, he said, woo. All right. And I promise you, it won't be, it's a little long, but it's not that long. I promise you. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 8 through 11. And this is in the NLT, not the ICB. And here Paul tells the church of Macedonia about giving to other believers. And in verse 9, he says, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And it goes on to say, As the scripture says, they share, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat in the same way. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Sorry, going to keep going. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. Just like those Operation Christmas gifts, you know. It wasn't money, but they were gifts. And those kids are going to be thankful, you know. 
So two things uh, will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem or God's holy people will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. It's Mission Sunday, you guys, and I want you to think about the missions we support here at High Desert Word Center and the people whose lives we're changing with the money that gets sent. I can guarantee you that they are thanking God for the gift that was sent to them. So remember that when you're filling out your envelopes, those people that you're sending that money to, that you're giving into those people, they will give thanks. And as you give your tithes and offering today, um, and you, but you have to put God's, um, uh, God first with your tithe, right? Gotta put God's, God first with your tithe. Your barns will overflow so that you will have more than enough to give. And as you give and you are generous by giving into missions, you, your gift will cause others to joyfully express their thanks to God. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? What we do, what we give, not our tithe, but what we, what we give over our tithe will cause others to be thankful. That's amazing. We have so much good stuff here in the U.S., in America. As Americans, we are so blessed. We get to give to other countries, though, that may not have as much as we do. So, And they will be grateful and thankful and give their thanks to God for it. So praise God. So I hope you all had your envelopes filled out. <laughs> that was a long, long, <laughs> didn't mean to go that long. <laughs> so let's go ahead and stand up. And just like, I'm glad Pastor Katie said it one time. Once you get up here, you start forgetting the words. So our financial faith confession, I hope it's up there. Yes, perfect. All right. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and get started. So as we bring the Lord's tithe and give offerings today, will we receive jobs or better jobs, Sales to commissions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances, interest and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, royalties received, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take good care of my family, to give generously in the kingdom of God. All right, let's bring our tithes and offerings up. Okay, let's worship the Lord together. Once you're done bringing up your tithes and offerings, let's stay up here and let's praise the Lord and be thankful on today. Let's thank God. Amen. Wandering into the night, wanting a place to hide this weary soul. I tried with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. And just when I ran out of road, I met a man I didn't know. He told me that. I was not alone. He picked me up, he turned me around, he placed my feet on solid ground. I think the master, I think the savior, because he healed my heart, changed my name, forever free. I'm not the same. I think the master, I think the savior, I thank God. Who thanks God today? Let's praise the Lord. Raise your hands to Him. I cannot deny what I see. 
no choice but to believe my doubts are burning like ashes in the wind so long to my old friends and bitterness to keep on moving now you ain't welcome here from now till I walk the streets of gold I'll sing of how you saved my soul. The spirit son has found his way back home. He picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on solid ground. I've been the master, I've been the savior. Because he healed my heart, he changed my name. Forever free, I'm not the same. I've been the master, I've been the savior. Oh, I thank God. Oh, I thank God. Now let's sing this. Hell lost another one. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free. I am free. Hell lost another one. I am free. I am free, I am free, hell lost another one, I am free, I am free, I am free, yeah, hell lost another one, I am free, I am free, I am free, hell lost another one, I am free, I am free, I am free, yeah, hell lost another one, I am free, I am free. Wonder work 
all the miracles I've seen You're too good to not believe You're the wonder-working God And you heal because you love All the miracles I've seen You're too good to not believe You're too good to not believe You're too good to not believe I can resurrect the man with my own hands Just imagine how the name can raise All the glory to the only one who cares Jesus Jesus is You 
to thank you for Jesus. And we know that we've seen miracles in our lives, Lord. It may be even times that we didn't realize a miracle was taking place. Maybe we're in the midst of a miracle right now and we don't even realize it, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes on you, Father. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness and mercy. It endures forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I'm sitting here as we're singing this and I'm thinking of a, a very important Bible verse, Ephesians 3.20. And it says, Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. And that's a man, that verse has really uh, been a, a, a huge part of my life because there's been some times that I've had to ask God for something really, really big. I didn't just need a little tiny breakthrough. I needed a gigantic miracle. And we're sitting there imagining what it could possibly be like if God were to actually do this thing we need. But I'm telling you right now, not only does God want to do that thing that you're imagining, but he wants to do exceeding and abundantly above all you could ask or think according, amen? According to the power which worketh in you. And so what a, what an important promise for us to stand on today. And so I'm encouraging you that you may not uh, have every single thing you want just yet in life. That's okay. Why don't you give thanks to God this morning for what you do have? Amen. He has been good to us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 
thank you, Jesus. We we ask that you would speak to us this morning in this service. And Lord, if we've brought any burdens in, if we've brought any cares or anxieties, we're going to choose to lay those down at the feet of Jesus this morning. We're going to toss those aside and cast our cares on the Lord. And Lord, we're going to focus on your word this morning. And I know you're going to speak to every single one of us today that will listen to you. We ask you to have your way this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Give the Lord some praise together today. Hallelujah. You can make your way to your seats. And we are going to have a phenomenal time this morning getting into the word of God. And then, uh, yeah, we're going to eat, we're going to eat some food here in a little bit. And uh, I know everyone's excited about that, but first we got the spiritual food. Uh, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And I know a lot of us, we really enjoy those carbs, right? You're getting ready to have some, uh, some bread over there in a few minutes, but this morning we're going to have the bread of life. We're going to talk about Jesus for a little bit before any of that. All right. So, uh, We have been in a series over the last few weeks called 10 Skills Every Christian Needs. Yeah, and so believe it or not, there are some skills that as a Christian you can work on in your life to actually become more effective with your faith and to get more results. Who likes it when you pray for something and you actually get the answer? I love that. I love uh, when I bring something to the Lord and I get the answer and I see a miracle happen. And believe me, it happens all the time. We see some powerful results and some really cool things happen when we apply the word of God. Now, I have noticed that some people seem to get more results than other people. And is that because God loves them more? No, God has no favorites. We've got several New Testament scriptures that tell us that. Now, it could be the case that that some people uh, maybe are more strong in their faith. We we understand that, that when you're born again, it says that he deals to every Christian the measure of faith. And so we, we seem to all start out on the same level playing ground. But here's the thing. Some Christians, some people, uh, that they, they learn to grow in their faith and to get stronger in their faith. And we know this much. There are also skills, believe it or not, uh, that you can use in your Christian life. Now, there are gifts that maybe God gave you a specific gift, and that's a wonderful thing. And you can, of course, develop that gift and get even better and better in it. Uh, but, but when it comes to skills, anybody can work on a specific skill and get more useful with it. And so we're talking specifically about skills. Now, with this week being uh, the week of Thanksgiving, who's excited for Thanksgiving? Absolutely. Yes. Thank you. Uh, you should be. But but with it being the week of Thanksgiving, uh, I, I draw a little inspiration this week in what we're discussing from the pilgrims. Anybody love the pilgrims? Those people, yeah, they had the they wore belt buckles on their shoes and stuff. It was weird. But anyway, uh, the, the pilgrims, they were awesome. And uh, and so we're going to kind of look through some of this through the eyes of the pilgrims on some of it. But we're going to look at two skills this week that every Christian needs. If you need an outline for the sermon to follow along with and you didn't get one, raise your hand and uh, the ushers will be glad to get you an, an outline to follow along with. And, you, you know, we mentioned earlier your Christmas sweaters for next week. I believe so powerfully in Christmas sweaters that my wife put one on my Bible this week. Would you look at that? Yeah. 
Yeah, she was like, hey, let me hook you up. So she went out and uh, and she put a, a nice sweater on my Bible for the Yuletide season. And so I'm going to just be celebrating that as much as I can. And uh, wow, it makes me happy. So let's look here at a couple of skills that every Christian needs. And I want you to listen to this because this may not sound like uh, the most fun thing we're going to look at here, first of all, but I promise you it's something that you need. All right. And so we've looked at four already. This is going to be number five out of 10. And it's this, every Christian needs to know number five, how to sacrifice. Yeah. All right. Good. Good answer. Is this like family feud where we got to, you know, even if it's not a good answer, you got to cheer anyway. So uh, <laughs> you ever watch that show and sometimes somebody will say the absolute stupidest thing and everyone starts cheering. Good answer. I'm like, no, it wasn't. That was the worst answer I ever heard in my life. That was stupid. But no, this is a good answer here. This is a good one. And, uh, and, and it may not sound like a fun one because nobody wants to sacrifice because when you sacrifice, it costs you something. Right? You know, someone's like, yeah, I'm a millionaire. I sacrificed. I gave a dollar to the poor this year. You didn't sacrifice. That didn't hurt you at all. But if you give up something that meant something to you, if you laid down your own will for the sake of God's will, it hurts. But that's sacrifice. And you know, somebody I really respect was really, really big on sacrifice. And his name is Jesus Christ. He sacrificed it all. The man left heaven to come down here and live in this place so he could become one of us, so he could die and deliver us from the things that human beings face. And so Jesus, if anyone knows about sacrifice, Jesus knows about sacrifice, and he calls us as Christians to live a life of sacrifice. And the reason that I can discuss this is because as we look at this through the eyes of the pilgrims, I'll talk about that in a little bit, but they sacrificed a lot to get on an old dingy boat and cross the Atlantic Ocean to come over here. And and and, and what they wrote down, they wrote down a thing called the Mayflower Compact on their ride over here. And it was known as the first governing document of this new nation. And they said that they were going to risk it all to establish a nation for the uh, for the uh, they wanted to fulfill and move forward the Christian faith. And so I'm like, yeah, they knew what sacrifice was. And I'm glad that they were willing to give up a little so we could have a nation where we can worship God. Amen. In our own way and not have to do it the way the government tells us to. Right. Thank you for your uh, enthusiasm on that. I, I appreciate it. All right. Let's go to Luke chapter 14 this morning. Luke 14. Amen. And so we're going to look here uh, at this. Now, now I, I realize that we don't discuss sacrifice uh, a whole lot in here. And, of course, we're not talking about sacrificing animals or other things like that. You know, that, uh, we don't have to do that anymore. Praise God. Jesus uh, made us a new covenant. So when I sin, I don't have to go stab a goat or something and burn it on the altar. That's... That's good news. Uh, but, but there is sacrifice that is a part of our New Testament Christianity. Now, most people want to think that, you know, our, our faith is all about just getting uh, God to give you what you want. Right. And I mean, he's your personal make a wish foundation and you just, you know, tell him how bad your life is. And he gives you something really good. And 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 we, we know in truth that God does provide some big blessings to us. We will never deny that. And we will never say that God is not the blesser. But 
we need to know that we are also called to give some things up of our own sometimes and, and to live a life of sacrifice. Now, when we do sacrifice, we give something up. But the payback is always worth it because God's got something better for you than what you originally gave up. Who's ever found that out? I've seen that time and time again. And so Luke chapter 14 and we're going to look here at, uh, at verses 25 through 28. Now, again, this may not be something that you want to read all the time, but it's the truth from Jesus. It says, a large crowd was following Jesus. He turned around and said to them, if you want to be my disciple, now I'm not going to teach on this today, but there's a difference between being a disciple and just somebody that acknowledges Jesus is real, okay? Two different things. Because anytime I ask a room full of people, who's a disciple? I see everybody raise their hand. Even people that aren't even really, you know, they, they just think it sounds cool. But check it out. Not everybody that says they're a Christian is a disciple. That is a whole different level of commitment. And so Jesus says, hey, if, if you want to uh, be my disciple, you must, by comparison, say by comparison, He said, hate everybody else. Whoa, I thought I wasn't supposed to hate. No, he said, your father and mother, your wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. I'm like, what in the world did he just say? This is a little bit more of a difficult passage of scripture to interpret right here. Verse 27, he said, and if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. That's talking about sacrifice. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Now, again, as we read this, this is not just your simple, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself. That's hard enough. But Jesus right here gave us something to chew on a little bit and something that's going to challenge us in our thinking. Now, notice in the beginning of the story, it says a large crowd followed Jesus. Now, it doesn't specifically say this, but I'm guessing after he said all that, that large crowd probably dwindled down to about like this. You know, like, hey, you want to follow me? Yeah. Okay, you're going to have to give some stuff up. I got to go. See you later. I don't want to do that. I, I want your blessings, but I want to keep all of my own stuff too. Now, Jesus, was he telling us to hate other people? No. That's why I had you uh, repeat those words right there. He said, in contrast, in comparison, Jesus was saying, your love for me, your love for God the Father, your love for the things of heaven should make your love for anything else in this temporary world diminish. It it, it would seem like near hatred compared to the level of love that you have for Jesus and the love that you have for God the Father. Now here's the key. If you're really a disciple of Jesus and not just a fan of Jesus, if you're really a disciple, you already know that the more you love him anyway, the more you can begin to love the people around you. And so you got to realize that just because if you love Jesus a whole bunch, that doesn't tap out your love resource to where you couldn't love anybody else. No, it fills up your love resources to where I can properly love you now, not with a fake, 
artificial, wannabe love. We're talking about the more I love Jesus, the more I am filled up where I can love my wife the right way now and not just based on how she treats me anymore, right? And the more that, that I can love my children and my church family and my enemies, the more that I love Jesus, the more he fills me up with the ability to truly love other people, all right? And notice he also said, count the cost. When there's a cost, what does that mean? Well, it's going to cost you something. There's going to be some things that you give up and sacrifice if you're going to really, really follow Jesus the right way and get the blessings that he truly has for you. And and so uh, we're going to look at three things on this right here on, on point number five that uh, that the Christian will need to sacrifice. And there's many more, I, but I, I couldn't go all day on this. So three things that if you're going to do this thing right, that you will sacrifice and give up. All right. And again, I know not everybody's loving this right now, but I, I got to I got to get this to you because when you learn to sacrifice It'll change your life and you will get stronger. All right. So A. All right. Letter A. One thing you're going to sacrifice is your time. If you are going to really become a disciple, if you're going to get even better at, at, at being a Christian and growing in your faith, you will at some point or another, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to give up and sacrifice some time. You need to know that serving God isn't always convenient. Right? I know a lot of you like to go and work out and go to the gym and stuff. Again, I've already identified myself. I'm not one of them, so back off. But at the same time, is it always convenient every time you want to go in there? No, it's not. But you make time for it because you see the long-term results. You're like, I want to get stronger. When you want to get stronger in your faith, there are times that it is so not convenient. You don't, you don't have the time, you don't have the, you know, the energy, you don't have what you think it takes, but what do you do if you really want to grow? You push through it anyway, and you make yourself do what you don't want to do right there. And so I've also learned when it comes to my faith that God's time frame isn't always my time frame. And so do I, do I get on God's case and say, Hey, you need to get together, God. What, what's wrong with you? I, I, I'm down here and I've got these deadlines and I've got this. You're going to have to fit into my one hour a week that I allow for you, God. Is that a right attitude to have? No, I'm going to sacrifice on my end to make time for him. Now, one area that I found out for me that I've got to sacrifice my time is I've had to cut back on the amount that I sleep to get closer to God. Now, I'm not saying that's what everybody's going to do, but I realize that if I want quality time with Jesus, I'm, I, I got to get up earlier than anybody else in my house because I've got a lot of people in my house. And if you've ever met my children, they talk a lot. I love you boys. My boys are on the <laughs> They're loving this right now. They all, all four of them. I thought surely out of four kids, I'd get one shy one, not a one of them. They all, they all, they're, they have great people skills and they talk all the time. And so, uh, you know, if I get up when they do to start reading my Bible, you know, they want to be close to dad. They'll start talking to me. I'm not going to get quality time. And so I want to show you something here that, uh, that David said in Psalm 119. Can we go to Psalm 119? 
Did you guys, are you glad you came to church and I told you that you got to give some stuff up for Jesus? Yeah? No? Okay. Well, Nick, whoa, what just happened there? What? What was that? I don't know what was in that pan, but anyway. All right. Uh, uh, Psalm 119. Y'all are acting a little weird this morning, but that's all right. I know it's not me. It's, I mean, I wore the sweater and everything. I'm putting out those vibes. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Uh, Psalm 119. Now this, I love Psalm 119. You hear me talk about it all the time. But King David himself, uh, he, he recognized that he was going to have to sacrifice some time. And apparently, according to what he wrote here, some sleep. So Psalm 119, and we're going to look here at verses 147 to 148. He says, I rise early before the sun is up. I cry out for help and put my hope in your words. He's talking about I get up before the sun even rises so I can get to the word of God. I can put my hope in your words. And so I'm just telling you, hey, if you want to start growing in your faith, you're going to have to make time for the word of God. You will not grow if you don't make time for the word of God. I don't got time. Make it. Make it. You make time for the other things you want. All right? And so, check it out. David also apparently stayed up late at night, through the night, to make time for the Word of God. Look at verse 148. He says, I stay awake through the night, thinking about your promise. And so all throughout Psalm 119, he talks over and over again about his obsession with the word of God. He uses the word, your promises, your word, your statutes, your decrees, your law, your commands. He uses all these synonymous words, but make no mistake, what David is saying right here is, I get up early so I can get to the word of God. I stay up all throughout the night just thinking about the word of God. It is a very important thing for us to know that sometimes you will have to sacrifice some of your time to get to the word of God. And, uh, and so what's another way that you would maybe sacrifice time? Something you would sacrifice time for? I would say going to church. You're the preacher. You got to say that I'm fine, man. Hey, I'm good. I'm here. But listen, you will say, if you want to get better at this thing, I'm talking about skills. Every Christian needs another thing that you'll sacrifice time for is not only to read the Bible, you'll make time to get your behind to church. You know, I've heard this said, but it's the truth. I, you know, I see people, man, I don't, I don't need church. Those are just four walls, but I'd go to jail for my faith. I'll tell you that, man, don't say you'd go to jail for your faith if you won't even go to church for your faith. Come on, that's a lie. You know it and everybody else knows it. Don't just, don't, don't blow that at us. That's silly. If you want to even come in here where there's free food, you're not going to go to jail. Are you kidding me? That's a lie. And so, I feel a little feisty now. I like that. All right. So, yes, but, but part of being a healthy Christian is sacrificing for God's word, sacrificing for God's house. And so I tell you that today that you would make time to go to God's house. You would also make time to serve in God's house. Yeah, all right, yeah. 
I see that. I see that. Now, uh, 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 part of being a healthy Christian is serving in the church. Now, we realize some people do have more time than others, but we should all do something to serve God in his house. I don't want to. Well, it's called sacrifice. Jesus said, hey, you, you'll, you'll count the cost, you'll lay down your own way, and you'll do it his way, all right? And so that's, that's not a very popular topic, so I'm going to go on to the next one. This will be even less popular, but I feel confident speaking on this one because I realize I haven't preached an entire sermon on this in like 14 years, and so I need to do something better on this, but I, I don't feel bad at all talking about this now knowing that. Uh, another thing you'll sacrifice for Jesus is money. And I don't feel bad saying that because you can't say that I talk about that all the time because I haven't preached on it in like 14 years other than doing the offering. And so, um, yeah, but it's the truth. It's the truth. Uh, one thing that that we would sacrifice for Jesus is is finances. And, and uh, of course, nobody really enjoys talking about, well, people that are stingy don't enjoy talking about that. Givers like talking about this, but it's definitely a part of being a Christian. Now, I should have put this on your outline. I didn't, but if you like to take notes, this is a great definition of sacrifice. What's sacrifice? Sacrifice is a willingness to give up something valuable for something or someone that you deem more valuable. I'm going to say that again because that was pretty good. I like that. I'm going to say that again. The definition of sacrifice is a willingness to give up something valuable for something or someone that we deem more valuable. And I will tell you right now without fear of contradiction, I love Jesus more than I love my money. There's a lot of things I could probably do to get more money in my life. But I love Jesus more than I love money. And and so I want to look, show you something here. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. We're talking about sacrifice. And I know it's a little uncomfortable. But sacrifice is not a comfortable thing. But you need to realize that to live the Christian life, it's not all about your comfort. Now, the Lord is good. He's our shepherd. He provides wonderful blessings and benefits to us. But there is a level of sacrifice and discomfort for us. And so uh, right here, Jesus says, Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. And these are the words of Jesus himself. How many of you in your Bible, this is words in red? All right. So Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. You can't serve two. No man can serve two masters. And now i got to tell my cheesy joke. That's why we certainly believe in only having one wife. No man can serve two masters. All right. So there's more common people. All right. For you will hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and you'll despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. 
Because you can't serve two things at once. The more that you try to divide your love between the two, you'll begin to hate the other one. Because your money will say, you don't have time for God right now. You need more of me. And so you'll start to get this attitude of like, yeah, God's always moving in. And and, and he's always blocking out my money. God's always asking me for more. And so you'll begin, whether you know it or not, to develop a little bit of a bad attitude towards God. Because you want to serve your money. And the more that you want to serve God, amen, the more you realize, man, I, we need money to operate in this world. But I don't love it. I don't love money. I don't love it. I like it. I, of course I like to have money. Everybody does. But I promise you now, I don't love money. Because money, when you use it the wrong way, can destroy people. But when you use it the right way, God's way, it can do a whole lot of good. And so in our lives, make no mistake about it, if we're going to be a solid, skillful, effective Christian, we're going to learn how to sacrifice. We can sacrifice our time. We'll begin to get to the point where we can even sacrifice our money. And so again, you know, none of this is condemnation or it's just trying to get us to be a stronger Christian. And so if you can't sacrifice some of these things, just don't expect uh, that you would, I would go to jail for my faith. I would die for Jesus when you just stop that. All right. It's okay. It's okay. Just don't lie. It's all right. We love you. We're not throwing rocks at you, but don't lie. Everybody sees right through that. And so I, I, I put this down and, uh, and, uh, you know, if you don't like it, praise God. But if you can't tithe or bless others, but you can play the lottery, or bingo, or sacrifice money for other non-needful things. Don't lie to Jesus and say, I'm your disciple. I'll follow you all the way to the end. You won't. You won't even give up, you know, a couple bucks for him. All right. And so, again, do I feel bad saying that? No, I haven't preached on money since 2008. All right. Very good. So back to the last time I was, yeah, this, this sweater fit better the last time actually that I preached on that. All right. We're going to talk about sacrifice for one more little thing here. And what's another thing that as a Christian, we're called to sacrifice our own desires. As a Christian, if you're going to get good at this thing, we are called to sacrifice our own desires. Now, there's times in life when you'd prefer to go one direction and Jesus is telling you to go a different direction. Are you willing to sacrifice your own desires and your own way to go his way. Are you? Yeah, well, God, I had this in mind. And, and in your heart, he's saying, no, 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 I, I need you. I'm asking you to go do this, go this way. I, I get that, but no, no, no. Here's what I had in mind. You know what that's called? That's called being unsubmissive. Now, what is submission? Submission is when you and the other mission are right here and God is saying, I need you to go this way. You submerge like a submarine. You sub your mission for his mission. You don't know if you're submissive until you come up against something that you don't want to do. That's when we know if you're submissive. Yeah, I submit to I submit to God. He says he wants to bless me. I submit to that. That's good. 
Everybody wants that. But what happens when the word of God or God's Holy Spirit speaks to your heart and tells you something that was not your will and not your way? Now is when we have the chance to find out if we are truly submissive or not. You don't know until this point, until you have a chance to lay down your way, pick up the cross and follow him. Now, I repeat, sacrifice isn't just a gift that some people have. I've never heard somebody say, yeah, the Lord blessed me with the gift of sacrifice. And uh, it's just, no, that's not a gift. That's a gift that you give to God. It's not a gift that he gave to you. And so sacrifice, we're all in a level playing field here because it hurts every single one of us in some other way. I'm not going to lie sacrifice hurts. It does. I have had to give some things up for Jesus that hurt. But the payback has been worth it, man. I'm going on 18 years of marriage right now. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. You know, and that's a miracle because we were 18 when we got engaged and got married at 19 and had no idea what we were doing. I, I mean, I used to, our first year, I would consistently overdraw our bank account on Taco Bell. And she forgave me. She forgave me. You know, I mean, there's all the dumb things I look at and it's like, it's a miracle. One night in college, she, you know, we were, we were like little kids. She comes up and gives me a wet willy right in the ear. She's like, plugged it in my ear. I'm like, what? I was so mad. And you guys know it takes a lot to make me mad. That got me mad. All right. And I was like, you know what? No one does that to me. I demand my respect. I'm the man of this house. So what I do, tapped her on the shoulder. Right in the nose. Got it right in the nose. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now you can see why it's an absolute miracle of God we're still married. I mean, who in the world would do? I mean, I look back. It's shameful. I won. I did win. But now she's not here to defend herself. But anyway, uh, praise the Lord. Yeah. So it's a miracle, dude. There's plenty of other stupid things that we did. And I'm just like, I, I'm astonished. But... That's how good God is. But there's some things along the way that that we begin to sacrifice. Now, what if you have desires that are clearly against God's word? I know it says this is wrong, but this is how I feel. This is what I really, really want. Well, I can tell you this. It's better to sacrifice for the few years that you're in this life so you can spend eternity in heaven. And I mean that. Nothing in this world is worth missing heaven over. There's not a thing in this world. At best, you're going to live here 100 years, potentially at the absolute cap, 120 years, maybe. But you realize how long eternity is? Billions and billions and billions of never-ending years. There's nothing in this world that can make me that happy for the next 50, 60 years that's worth risking the next 500 billion years over All right. And so I'm telling you this morning that if we're going to live the Christian life and and get skillful at this thing, there is sacrifice involved. Who's ready for me to move on to number six? Because it got real quiet in here. Amen. All right. So let's go on to number six. And it's this. It's a skill that every Christian needs. And it's this. It's how to be thankful. How to be thankful. Who's thankful that they're thankful? Who's proud that they're humble? Okay, okay, I did see. Okay, well, all right. Well, you just made yourself not humble anymore, so. All right, no, I'm kidding. 
I don't like to set people up, but that was too easy. All right. So how to be thankful. Now, again, I get it that some people may have more of a, a thankful nature than others, but, but I'll repeat that. Thankfulness isn't one of the gifts of the Spirit that God just chooses to give to, to some people, but not to others. Now, uh, when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, everybody has a gift of the Spirit that God wants you to operate in, but you don't get to choose what that is. It is as the Spirit wills. That's my little caveat there, so no one writes me letters or emails or Facebook messages me later. You talked about the gifts of the Spirit wrong. Okay, so th- thankfulness isn't just a gift of the spirit. It is a skill and a discipline that we all need to learn. Now, the best time to work on thankfulness is when you don't have everything you want. I'm going to say it again. The best time to work on your thankfulness is when you don't have everything that you want. Instead of focusing on what you don't have, focus on what you do have. That's on your outline there. But instead of focusing on what you don't have, focus on what you do have. I heard about a guy that he was complaining and, and sad and upset that he didn't have any shoes to wear. Then he met a man that had no feet. And he was like, okay, someone's got it worse than me. And and you need to realize that that the more you focus on what you don't have, the, uh, listen, you're going to become unthankful and you're going to get bitter. Focus and thank God for what you do have because you have more good things in your life than what you realize. Do you know that today? That you have it better than what you probably realize. I heard this story about these two old friends. They they saw each other on the street one day. One guy looked really sad. And so uh, the other friend said, hey, what's going on, man? Has life really been bad to you? I mean, I haven't seen you for a while. Why do you look so down and this man near on the verge of tears uh he he said well let me tell you three weeks ago my uncle died and left me forty thousand dollars and uh and he said well i'm sorry to hear about your uncle but i mean that's that's kind of a you know that's a blessing you got that money he's like no you don't get it two weeks ago a cousin that i've never met in my life died and left me eighty five thousand dollars Free and clear. It's all mine. And the other guy's like, sorry to hear about your cousin, but that's, I mean, wow, that's eventful. That's, that's a lot. And, and so the, the guy said, no, you don't get it. Last week, I won a sweepstakes for a quarter of a million dollars. And the friend's like, I don't get why you're so sad. What's wrong? You've got all this three weeks in a row. What's wrong? And he's like, this week, nothing's happened. And I'm like, come on, hey, how many of us, all right, you maybe had some huge things that have happened, and you're like, but nothing this week, and they did. Eh. That was my impersonation of pouting, I mean. But, but I'm telling you right now, as silly as all that sounds, come on, we know some people like that, and maybe, just maybe, some of us have behaved like that a little bit. And sometimes we've received so many blessings in life that we haven't even stopped to thank God for those before we're already whining about the next thing that we want or need. Quiet in here, okay. So, listen to this. If you have food in your refrigerator how many people in this church have a refrigerator in your home okay all right 
So if you have a refrigerator in your home and you've got food in it, you've got clothing on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep at night, a bed to sleep on, you realize that you are richer than a very large percentage of the entire world is? If you have money in the bank and some spare change in your wallet, you're among the top 8% of the world's wealthy. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you're more blessed than the over a million people that will die before the end of this week. Over a million people die in the world every week. You're doing all right. If you can read the words on the screen behind me this morning, you're more fortunate than the 781 million adults in the world that can't read at all. So what's all that? Is that to put a guilt trip on you? No, that's saying, man, you've got a pretty good life. You may not be driving a Mercedes right now, but it's okay. Your Honda's better than somebody that doesn't have anything at all. You sit here and cry about that? I don't feel sorry for you. Now, I've been to some other countries, and I know some of you have too. And some of the places I've been in this world, the worst places I've been in the United States are better than the best places that I've been in Nicaragua and in Russia and even some of the places I've been in Mexico. You don't realize how stinking blessed that we are here. We were in Nicaragua in 2017, and we were going to, uh, a, there's a little church there. It was by the community dump. Now, we're talking about a communist nation here, so if you're a fan of communism, just spend some time in Nicaragua. You know, you probably won't like it anymore. But we're down there, and the orphans, you know, they don't, no one's taking care of them. There's literally children sleeping in the dump. All right. I mean, they're laying under cardboard boxes on top of rotten food and stuff. And so we go to have church and the children, uh, the little kids come running in from the dump and all this. I mean, that's where they live. No mom, dad, nothing. They come running in uh, to the church service. And then, of course, there's some of the church members there, too. And on the way there, uh, our bus stopped at a little market. And I'm like, you know, what? let's buy some toys for the kids. And so I just bought this bag of, you know, the little green army soldiers, uh, you know, and so I bought a bag of a couple hundred of those. And I know for our American kids, I would probably hand them that and they'd be like, that's cool. Does this like turn the PlayStation on or something? What is this? I uh and so, anyway, we get there, and I get the bag of toys out, and I open it up, and children come swarming like sharks on blood. They're, oh, 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 they're jumping up and down, and we had like a bag of Tootsie Rolls, too. And so, each kid got one little plastic green toy soldier that cost about one penny, and they got a Tootsie Roll that cost about a penny, It was Christmas morning to them. They were crying and, oh my gosh, I got to They were spinning around and jumping and and dancing and celebrating over this one little toy. And I was like, oh my gosh, what in the world? It was heart-wrenching. And I was so glad to bless them. And they loved it. But that was the equivalent of if you gave your 13 year old the iPhone 15, whatever you guys are using now. I don't know. But, you know, if you handed them that, that's, How your kid would react is how they got getting a little green toy soldier. And I was like, wow, we need to work on our thankfulness in our little spoiled corner of the world. I love it here. But I realize that we've got it better 
than a lot of other people. And I'm discussing thankfulness and, and the pilgrims. And so you know, I tell this story kind of every year, but uh, my 11th great-grandpa uh, was a man named Francis Cook. He was born in 1583 in England, and he came to America on the Mayflower in 1620. Now, why did my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandpa <laughs> come over here? Well, I'll tell you why, because it stunk where he was at. Why did it stink where he was at? No offense if you're English. I can say that because that's my heritage, but, you know, uh, so, but, but why? Well, it was bad where they were at because in the 1600s in England, it was illegal to be a part of any other church than the Church of England. In other words, you had to go to church where the government told you you had to go to church. And you had to believe exactly like the government told you to believe. That is why we do believe in a separation of church and state. But not the way that modern people translate it. Those words are not found in the U.S. Constitution, even though people are like, it's the Constitution. That's not in there. Read the whole thing. I've read it. Separation of church and state does not exist in the United States Constitution. Thomas Jefferson wrote that in a personal letter to, to a group of Christians in Danbury, Connecticut. They were afraid that the state of Connecticut was going to make a certain denomination the official religion or the official denomination of Connecticut. And so he wrote to them and said, no, the government's not allowed to interfere in the church. And so these days people twist that phrase and say, no, that means Christians can't get involved in the government. There can't be any connection. No, that's not what that means. What it means is the government can't come in and say, hey, there's a disease going around. Christians can't go to church anymore. You can't sing songs in church. You can't gather together. Right. Thank, thank you for your holy silence. You know, I appreciate it. I mean, I like that type of stuff. But but no, seriously. And so great grandpa and about 102, I think, other people decided, you know what? We're going to worship God the way that we see the Bible says to worship God. And so they were a group called the separatist. And they decided, okay, we're going to get on this boat and we're going to sail to the new world. And so they set sail uh, over here and uh, and they decided that they were going to try to go to the colony of Virginia. Right. And of course, they they hit a little bit further north uh, at a place called Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and uh, landed on what we call Plymouth Rock. And they began to establish this new country and this new world that they said would be founded upon the Christian faith. They specifically wrote for the advancement of the Christian faith. Now, here's what I'm getting at. Now, if you don't like history, then I'm sorry, but every now and then the nerd in me gets to come out and talk about history. I, I love history. I love history so much, right? So uh, they, they landed here in 1620, and the first Thanksgiving that, you know, you, got, you see the cute picture of the pilgrims with the little belt buckles on their shoes and the, and the weird hats and the, and the natives, all right? And so the first Thanksgiving uh, wasn't celebrated, right? It was celebrated in 1621 after the, fil- after the pilgrims had harvested their first crops in their new homes. Now, there was only about 50 pilgrims there because the others all died. 
They didn't survive that first winter. It was really, really bad and cold, and they weren't prepared for it. And so uh, there's about 90 of the Wampanoag Indians, all right? So 50 of the pilgrims, about 90 of the Wampanoag Indians, and they celebrated, they gave thanks that a lot, I mean, a lot of their family had died, right? They weren't giving thanks for that, but the scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5 to give thanks in every circumstance. So even if I've suffered loss, even if I've had some things happen, I can still give thanks to God in every circumstance. And so they decide, you know what? We've made it through all that. Here we are. They decided to take three days of Thanksgiving. Now we're always like, man, we'll, we'll give a day of Thanksgiving on the fourth Thursday of every month. That is the one day that we set aside for giving thanks. And I present for your consideration that perhaps we could offer God more than one day of thanks in the year. That's something to think about. And so they spent, uh, three days. They ate and ate. They feasted and feasted. They celebrated. They played games. Then they all gathered around the TV to watch the Dallas Cowboys lose the first ever Thanksgiving Day game. Don't get mad, all right? There's two things you can count on every Thanksgiving at High Desert Word Center. You can count on this ugly sweater, and you can count on that joke. I tell it every single year, all right? That's okay. Calm down, all right? What does a Cowboys fan do after their team wins a Super Bowl? They turn the PlayStation off. Okay, come on. All right, so somebody asked, why don't you make fun of Raiders fans? I'm like, you kidding? I'm not, I don't want to die. (laughs) Cowboys fans will get mad at me. They won't stab me or something. All right. Was that, is that wrong? I don't, okay. I just, I got a healthy respect. I've got some respect. I don't, I don't want to die. I just, all right. Uh, can we go to Luke 17? Can we, all right. I'm sorry. My parents aren't here to stop me. My wife's not here to stop me. My sister-in-law's back there, but she's laughing, so I don't. All right. Thank you. Feel the love. I feel the love. See, what kind of pastor would I be if I didn't give you a chance to walk in love and uh, love those that are mean to you? Luke 17, and we're going to look here at verses 11 through 19. Luke 17. But in, in all seriousness, though, the, you know, the pilgrims, we, we talk about that, laugh about it. That first year was pretty rough. But they focused on the good. Now, I want to show you, uh, you know, I used this story a couple of Wednesday nights ago. But I, I have to go here because this is the prime New Testament story that I see uh, discussing thankfulness and giving thanks. And it's Luke 17. And we're going to look at verses 11 through 19. Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. And, uh, man, what a story. It's incredible. But we see how Jesus feels about thankfulness. Luke 17 and verse 11, it says, As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, 
they were cleansed of their leprosy. Think about that. I mean, having this disease that was rotting the skin right off of your bones. I mean, it, it would, your, it would, it would just eat away at your flesh until maybe you didn't even have a nose on your face anymore. You may have ears falling off. And Jesus says, okay, you just go show yourself to the priest. And as they started walking, the leprosy disappeared. That would be enough right there to drop everything and follow Jesus and say, I give you my all, Jesus. What a miracle. Look at verse 15. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. Now this man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except for this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. And that story, you know, it's a miracle enough that ten people were instantly healed of a pretty much death sentence, fatal illness and disease. But this, in the end, is a sad but accurate portrayal of people's level of thanks. Only one out of ten stopped to come back and give thanks to God. Think about that. That's ten percent actually stopped and came back. Well, was it because that God did more for him, so he had more to be thankful for? No. They all got healed of the same thing, but only one came back to give thanks. And I think about as I survey my Christian life over the last 37 years and, and all the years that I've been in church, I have seen some people where God has done a jaw-dropping miracle in their life. I mean, healed them of a fatal disease, restored their broken marriage, brought their wayward children home, got them a job they had no business even getting, delivered them out of monumental messes they got themselves into. God, if you'll just do this one thing for me, I will serve you all the days of my life. And guess what? They don't even darken the doors of his house after a month. They don't even stop to say thanks. They don't even make time to read the word, to, to, to pray, to, to, to do nice things to others. None of it. Why? Because if your only reason for serving him is because of the goodies that he gives you, that's the wrong reason. And no blessing big enough. You know, there's this story of the rich man and Lazarus and, and, and this rich man, he dies and he's down there in hell and he begs, God, just send Lazarus to go and, or, or, or send, send, send Moses or one of the other prophets. I know that it, that, that if my family would see miracles, they would believe and, and they would, they would serve God. And what did Jesus say? No, no, no. No, if, if it takes a miracle to bribe them, if they'll only believe if Moses shows up, it's not real enough. They're, they won't believe over anything at all. I think about that. I'm like, wow, what a statement. But if my only reason for serving the blesser is so I can get more blessings, that's not a good enough reason. And the moment I don't get what I want, like a spoiled little brat, I'll stop my feet and walk away from God. It's the absolute truth. 
And nobody wants to hear that, but it's the truth. And we've seen that time and time again. And so I know, and you know too, how much the Lord has done for you. Who could, without fear of contradiction, you could raise your hand right now and say, I know that God has been good to me. I may not have everything, right? I may not have every little thing that I want, but my God, I've got a lot of really good stuff (laughs) that I don't deserve. I mean, you've got a lot of really, really good things that God's blessed us with. And also, I always put this in there, you don't know the things that God, the, the, the attacks from the enemy, the, the death plans of the enemy that God has blocked out from you ever even getting touched by. You don't know the traps that he has guided you away from that were meant to take out your life. Earlier this summer, we went to, uh, Pastor K. Now we're driving from Brooklyn, New York to Pittsburgh. All right. So we go all the way through the state of Pennsylvania. And she always had this dream that she wanted to go to Hershey, Pennsylvania. And I didn't really know this, but I took her there and she doesn't get super excited. There's not much that my wife actually, she's just a very content and happy person. I took her to Hershey, Pennsylvania. She was like a little six-year-old girl. It was the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. But we took this tour of Hershey and they told this story of Milton Hershey. So back in uh, the winter and spring of, uh, of 1911 to 1912, he took his wife over to Europe to spend the winter. And, uh, and they were going to stay for a while. And, uh, and, and so they booked some return tickets on a boat. But an emergency arose here in the U.S. He had to cancel that and, uh, and, and cancel his tickets on the boat and take a whole totally different thing and cut their whole trip short early and get back over here to the U.S. to attend and fix the situation in Hershey. And so they're upset like, oh man, this stings. It's not fair. Like we're going to do all this. And, and so he gets back here and then a few days later, he reads the newspaper headline, the Titanic had sunk. They had tickets Milton Hershey and his wife to sail on the Titanic and they thought it was just a, a, a no fair, no good thing. They had to cancel their tickets and skip the whole thing. God saved their life from getting on that stinking boat. And because of it, he's gone on. He went on to do, he lived until the 1945. He went on to do a lot of really awesome, really good charitable and Christian things because, hey, what he, what they thought was a setback, was really God protecting them from harm. And in your life, you're like, I don't have no Titanic story. Thank God. You've probably got stories that you'll never know until you get to heaven of the things that God has fully done for you. And so if we're going to really get good at this Christian thing, if we're going to be a disciple, there's going to be an element of sacrifice. We're not going to lie and say, oh, it's easy street. Yeah, you get to live like a millionaire and have no troubles ever again. No, there's things that will come to you. The good news is we know how to win now through Jesus. But also, if we're going to get skillful and good at being a Christian, we're going to have to learn how to give thanks. Yeah, but I don't have everything. That doesn't matter. Give thanks for what you do have. Amen. Can we stand up together this morning? Praise God. I'm going to stand up together. Amen. Give the Lord some praise.
Now, before we feast today, and we're going to feast, and maybe before we feast later this week, we need to take a few minutes to truly give God some thanks and to reflect on all the good that he's blessed us with, for the danger that he shielded us from, for the love that's been poured out on our lives. As a church, I got to be honest, 2022 has been a very good year. And it's because of Jesus. It's because of the church family's faithfulness. I mean, I can't imagine uh, owning 13 acres right beside a prime freeway in Southern California in a town that's getting ready to quadruple in growth. And it's paid off. No one can take that away. That's that's Jesus, man. Thank you, Jesus. You know, for we had that flood happen. We've got new bathrooms and a platform. And soon, in a few weeks, a new nursery out of it. And, and all this other stuff. I mean, you know, it, it, God's just been flat out very, very good. We got a new sound system, state-of-the-art. You know, biggest and best on the market. We were able to buy the same soundboard that you would probably see at some, you know, basketball arena somewhere or something. I mean, God's been just tremendously, powerfully good to us. And so, beyond all that, I know that excites you because you're a part of this family. When the family succeeds, we all get happy and succeed. But we're going to take a minute this morning and thank God. I don't, at this moment, I don't want you to think about the anxiety that you maybe left when you came in the door, the the money that you need, the the, the new car that you really, really want because the neighbor's got a new truck and you just got to have a bigger one. I mean, that wouldn't be fair at all. No, don't think about that. Think about what you do have, what God has done for you. And I've asked Josh this morning to sing. We're going to sing a hymn. And, uh, and I've kind of told somebody that, I mean, I've really been getting into hymns lately. And uh, it's funny because I wasn't raised on that. I was raised in a Pentecostal charismatic church where we pretty much make fun of hymns as being old school, to be honest. But, um, but I, there's some hymns that I really like because they're very heartfelt. And they didn't write these so they could sell more records and get more Instagram likes. And I, I feel, I'm just being honest, a lot of the modern worship groups, they're, they, they, they like the, the stage and the lights a little bit too much for my taste, but it's okay. Uh, but a lot of these hymns that I like to listen to every day, these were written between somebody and God, just trying to give a, a heartfelt praise and worship to God. Not so anybody could make money, not so anybody could get famous and, and get a bunch of, uh, online followers and, uh, YouTube subscribers. They would, they did this to worship God. So we're going to sing a hymn called the doxology. And it was written by a man named Thomas Ken. He was orphaned as a child, but he was raised by his big sister. And he loved the Lord dearly. And he wrote these words down in his bedroom in 1709. And I sing these very often. And it just makes me grateful for what the Lord has done for me in my life. In healing me of, of saving my marriage, of saving my kids, of saving my church, of saving some of your lives. You know, I just, I'm going to shut up because we got to go. That food's getting ready. But man, I was hiking through the woods this week, man. It, it's covered in snow and ice and I only fell a couple of times down a hill, but it was cool. And a lot of you, you know, some of you were just on my mind, individuals. And so I'm walking, man, through the woods calling out your name before God Almighty. And I'm not going to, you know, mention your names, but I'm like, God, she needs you right now. She's struggling. I'm calling out her name. I'm calling out his name before God because I love you guys and I'm thankful for you. And I know I'm a little weird. I'm a little, you know, awkward. I get it. I get it. But you need to know that 
when you belong here, when you're a part of this, we may not be perfect, and we're not. I'm guaranteed to let you down sometime. Don't say that I'm perfect. I can't handle that burden. I am not. But I do love you, and I do call out your name before God when I see your face before my heart. And so, we've got a lot to be thankful for. That's all I'm saying. And I want to, I want Josh to lead us in this. And if you need prayer, in a few minutes I'll pray for you. But before you come and get prayer, let's just sing these few lines to this song from a couple hundred years ago. And, uh, well, yeah, 300 years ago. And, uh, and give God some thanks for just a minute. Amen. Let's do this. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy God from whom all blessings flow and praise him all creatures here below praise him above ye heavenly host praise Father Son and Holy Ghost And sing this part with me And to God all honor To God all praise To God all praise To God all glory To God all glory Forevermore, amen. Let's sing that one more time. And to God all honor, to God all praise, and to God all glory. Forevermore, amen. Let's sing praise God. And praise God from whom all blessings flow. And praise Him all here below praise him above ye heavenly host praise father son and holy
our thanks to you, Lord, by living like we should. We want to give our thanks to you by sacrificing some things in this life, maybe things that we even hold dear or things that we think that we really need, Lord. We're willing to give those up for you, Jesus. You just say the word and we'll do it. We love you. We ask that in this season, you would work on our hearts to be more thankful, God, and not just beg for more, think of what all we don't have, but to thank you, God. For what we do have. You are so good, Jesus. This morning, if you're here and, and maybe you don't really, I don't know, you don't, you have never really received Jesus into your life, or maybe you, you did at one point and you kind of walked away from that. Hey, today's the day to fix that. What better of a day than right now than to do this? You know, Joshua said, choose for yourselves this day who you will serve. Not choose tomorrow, choose next week when it's convenient. No. It's not always convenient to do things God's way. But I'm telling you, choose today whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so if you're here and you have not really received Jesus, or maybe you did and you walked away, hey, we're here to help. We want to lead you in a prayer and get you restored into the right relationship with him. I'd like it if we could bow our heads and close our eyes this morning, this afternoon, whatever it is, and and, and pray together. I'd like you to repeat this with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died, that he rose again, that he's coming back someday. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. I promise to live for you now. Give me the strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. If that was you and uh, and uh, and you could say, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting things on track with God now. This is Jose back here. Okay, Jose, wave your hand. He's wearing a cute Argyle vest. Kind of, you know, looks looks neat. It looks really good. Uh, but if you would go see him, uh, we've got a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer where we'd like to, for the next 30 days, for the next month, hook you up with someone else from church that would text you Bible verses and a devotion every day. They'll be praying for you. If you've got questions, they'll try to answer those for you and uh, and just really help you get on the right track. We don't want to say, hey, you prayed, good luck, hope you make it. No, we want to help you have the resources you need to really give your life to the Lord. So if that's you, please go see Jose. He'll get your information and we'll hook you up. Can I have my prayer team come forward this morning? If you're here and you need prayer for something today, no matter what it is, healing, uh, whatever, I'm not, you know, whatever your need is, we would love to pray for you this morning. And so I'm going to ask that you would come forward and uh, we'll pray with you. And if not, just worship God for a minute and we'll get to the food here in just a few minutes. But if I could ask for your reverence, you know, if you don't have a job to be doing, just stay where you're at and worship God for a few minutes. Amen. To God the Father, God the Son, in God the Spirit, three 
given